playoff edition of the 12-6 podcast. It's your boy, Mario. I'm joined with my co-host, Ryan Pop. What up, Ryan? What up, Mario? How you doing, man? You know what, man? We're we're hoping, we're praying over here. You know, feeling pretty good after yesterday. Obviously, it rained out today, but, um, you know, we're just here. We're going to talk about the game from yesterday and, like, the, the games in Houston, and we'll talk a little bit about what I saw and what Ryan saw yesterday. But, uh, Ryan, have you got anything uh, you want to talk about right off the bat? Anything about the Bears or anything to get out of the way before we get into that? Dude, I do want to mention something really quick. Last episode, we forgot to mention that we hit a milestone last episode, dude. We hit uh, double digits in episodes last week, which is uh, it's a big step. It's a big milestone. So we forgot to say something last week. So cheers to double digits and uh, to many more. Cheers to double digits. And, yeah, we're, we're just starting, man. You know, we're, we're just starting here. I mean, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to grow and you know, we're hoping people, you know, continue to, to listen. We've been, you know, we're. We're seeing our eyes and listening every few weeks, so you know that's that's like a positive sign for us. But yeah, double digits, man. We just got to keep to the grind, and and hopefully we keep putting out some decent content for everybody. Uh, <clears throat> but with that being said, how about uh, how about the Bears yesterday, man? What what are your thoughts, dude? That was a big win. That was a huge win. I don't think anybody going into the game expected them to go on the road into Las Vegas and like super hostile environment and pick up that win. But it was good to see. That was like traditional Bears football that they played. It's really good defense, run the ball. Um, I don't know if they had any turnovers or not, but that was just traditional Bears football. Play good D, run the football, and uh, and let the pass game work off the run. That was awesome to see. Like I don't think I expect – I don't – or myself expected I didn't, – I didn't expect it. I don't think a lot of people expected it, but that was good to see. And uh, I think the Bears might end John Gruden's career. <laughs> I don't think it was the Bears, but I'm sure they were part of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Did you watch any of the game? I watched a little bit of the game. Obviously, as you know, I had a really big 18 parlay going that hit, so that was great. I picked the under in the Bears Raiders game. Um, so that was uh, it. Was nice to see the Bears defense settle down and, and do what they're supposed to do, man. You know, we all expect them to be good. Khalil Mack had a really good game, in my opinion. I saw a few of his. Of his good uh, stops there, and I think uh, I think the Bears defense was a positive sign for the team. And like obviously Justin Fields isn't like what he's supposed to be yet, but he like had a good enough game to get the team past the Raiders, who have been playing decent ball this year. So no, he's not what he he's not what he will be, but he's exactly what they needed last week. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I think that's all you can ask for, honestly. And a guy like that, like you see, like Trey Lance on the Niners, he didn't do what he was capable of doing, but he did some things that were positive. Um, obviously a few things I don't want to talk about, but I. If I'm not mistaken, he tried to rush in a couple touchdowns there. He sh- shouldn't have done it on a fourth down. You know, it's just there's just better ways to go about the game. Guys like Lance and Fields, you know, aren't seeing yet. Like, like you know, the guys like Brady, for example, would do that they wouldn't do. I mean, Brady does a lot of things a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't do. But, you know, guys with wisdom and stuff that, you know, you get over time. They, Fields and, and guys like Lance don't have it yet. But I mean, there's yeah. definitely positive signs, man, for sure. Yeah, they're rookie quarterbacks, and this is exactly what I wanted Nagy to do from day one. Just let Fields play and let him learn from these mistakes. And it's not even that he's making a whole lot of mistakes right now, but like maybe reads that he's not seeing right now that next week he will. You know, things like that, little growing steps, which if he hadn't, if Nagy hadn't played him, like he would have never had these learning opportunities, mm. you know? So I think it's exactly what Bears fans wanted, even if he's not playing up to his full potential right now. And uh, another thing is, dude, Justin Fields is tough as hell. Like, did you see some of the hits that he was taking in that game? He was taking some hard hits, man, for sure. Dude, he was taking a lot of hits and just getting right back up and getting back into the huddle. There was that where people were – like, I I was actually – everything was with his leg or whatever, right? He had to to go on the – 
on the treadmill or whatever and, and like run it off. But dude, I thought his season was over. When I saw <laughs> that play. His his knee. Yeah, that's what it was. His knee. It was like a total hyperextension. His knee literally went like backwards, dude. It was when I saw it, I thought I honestly thought his season was over, but he missed like two plays and he was right back in the game. And Dalton had him back at Ohio State when he when he played at Ohio State, he was the toughest dude on the field. Um, And as a quarterback, I mean, that's just awesome to see. I think it gets the team going and I mean, it's just great to see. Yeah, man. I mean, I think there's a lot of positives there. I don't. I who they got the Bucks coming up, right? They got no. They, they got the Packers next week. Oh, that's who it is. The Packers, the 49ers, and whoever else they got coming up. So, well, I think they got the Packers and then the Buccaneers in back-to-back weeks, that's, which is just gruesome, dude. Well, listen, man. Listen, you just see. Obviously, the Bengals aren't as bad as we thought they were going to be, but the Packers should have, you know, rolled over them, right? And they didn't. So, I think they're getting the Packers at the right time. They could they could squeak a win past them? Wouldn't be shocked at all, especially at Soldier Field, but we'll see, man. I was about to say it's at home, so that's a big that's a big factor. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers, like he turned it on later in the game, but the first I want to say quarter, maybe even the first half, he looked horrible. The whole offense looked horrible. So it seems like he always rises to the occasion when they play the Bears, and he'll have like four touchdowns and throw for like three hundred and fifty yards. But I mean, who knows, man. We'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, a lot of positives though for the Bears, man. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking for them to, to be a little better than we thought, you know. <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing about football. It's a week by week league. Like each, each week, you get super, you get super excited when your team wins, and the next week can just rip your heart out. We'll, we will be having a conversation like we did last week. So, I don't know. I guess with the NFL, you just take the highs with the highs and the lows with the lows. I guess, that's a good point. You never know, man. Somebody get hurt. Somebody can, you know, for whatever reason, be out. Like, it's just. That's just the way football is, man. It's just the way it is. Um, with that being said, man, I mean, you got anything else on the Bears before we, we change it over to, to the Sox here? No, dude. I want, let's chop it up about the Sox. <clears throat> All right. Well, obviously, we can cover one games one and two really quick. Um, really nothing much to talk about besides the fact that Lance McCullers Jr. is a top five arm in the game. Shut us down <clears throat> on game one. Lynn obviously cannot pitch against the Astros. That's an obvious fact. We know that. Uh, we knew that going into it, and it it, it happened again. Um, and it was, I believe, a six to one game or whatever. It's just just a non competitive game. Game two was a little more in hand. Um, Tony made some mistakes with the, with the pen. Uh, Should have brought in Kopech in the fifth, a four to two. He didn't. And next thing you know, your your lead is gone. And when you lose a lead in Houston like that, you're just you're not going to get it back. Houston exploded. They scored all their runs, all that stuff. Um, we lose game two, pretty dim, and then game three comes last night. Man, what what an experience watching that man! I mean, I, the fans were into it. Um, I mean, you you could you could barely hear the announcers at times. Like it was just a great great experience watching that game. Obviously, like they were down five to one, you know, and they came back. Larry Garcia out of nowhere, three run shot. I mean, that was absolutely nuts, dude. When Larry Garcia hit that ball. I mean, he absolutely he tattooed that ball. I didn't, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that he was capable of hitting a ball that hard. Listen, man, in September he was very undervalued. I think he was, he was uh, his OPS plus is like one twenty or one thirty or something. Could have been higher in the month of September. I don't was, know. He, was he hit homers and just a bunch he was of extra homers, hit doubles? He was in whatever. He was in everything, man. He was he was one of the best offensive players in the White Sox in the month of September. Don't know what he did. Don't know what he's doing. Don't really care to know. I just want him to keep doing it, and I want him to keep hitting in stride. Um, one thing I will say, 
a lot of Astros fans are really kind of uh, like baffled by this. And obviously, we could talk about that because Monty Grandal play in a bit if you want to, really quick. Because I know you got into it with me last night about it. But yeah, that's uh, probably gonna be my beef for the week. So, <laughs> um, Dusty Baker decided to pull his pitcher out two zero in a two zero count. That right there is something that like I don't think you should do in any situation. Coming from somebody who used to pitch and like competitive ball and whatnot. <laughs> That's just not a, that's not a situation that you're putting your guy to succeed in. Dude, if your manager, if your reliever and your manager puts you in a 2-0 count, there should be written in the rule books where you have the ability to say no. <laughs> like, dude, I'm not coming in at the 2-0 count in the playoffs like this. No. You could you could say no, I guess, technically speaking, but you know, you probably got out of a job the next day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that right there, I, that was just like a telltale sign for me like that Dusty really can be out of it a little bit as well, as just as much as Tony. Like, he, Leary was obviously sitting on a fastball. It was a 3-1 count. First, The first pitch was like a pitch that missed inside, and then the next pitch was a strike or whatever. Leary's sitting fastball. And this guy coming into the game probably doesn't have the charge, doesn't have, like, the, the report as much as, you know, Luis Garcia had as a starting pitcher against Leary. And that, that was just it, man. Leary was in fastball. He got it right down the middle, and he, you know, stroked it over to the center field wall. Yeah, so. he, was sitting, he was sitting fastball and didn't miss. I mean, the guy did give him an absolute cookie, but it was – I mean, the guy was throwing hard. It was like 96 center cut, and he for yeah. sure did not miss that ball. No, I mean, he didn't. Um, that was that was a big turning point probably in the playoffs for the White Sox. I think that gave us momentum not only for that game, but going into t- tomorrow or should have today, but going into tomorrow as well. Hey, Mario. What do we got, man? Speaking about tomorrow, who I don't I don't know if it benefits anybody, but who do you think this postponement helps out? The the Astros after losing a tough game and then trying to bounce back at a day game, but now they get the day off? Or do you think it benefits the White Sox? Okay, I will say this. I think it kind of benefits both teams in a little bit. And here's why. I think it benefits the Astros just because of the off day. They used a lot of their pen yesterday. The Sox did as well. Um, I won't say that's the reason why it's benefiting them as much, but I guess the Astros coming off that loss, right? They're like, okay, we're going to regroup. We're going to resettle. But what they got is something that cannot be valued until after the game is they got their ace back for game four. Lance McCullers Jr. is going to throw game four tomorrow. It's already been – they've already, you know, stated that. He's already penciled in. Um, that is crucial because McCullers, as we know, in my opinion, is a top five arm in the game. Uh, just his stuff the way he controls his composure, the way he can spot a, a, a ball on the line, you know, I mean, and his slider has insane movement. Um, he's going to be tough, man. He's going to be tough to beat. Rodon's going to have to be on his A game tomorrow. That's how it benefits <clears throat> the Astrola. With that being said, though, say the Sox do get to McCullers tomorrow, right? You go to game five, you're playing in Houston. You do not have to see McCullers in Houston anymore. That is huge because if you were to tell me, in game five, we're seeing McCullers rather than, you know, Nurkiti, who would probably throw game five now at this point, or Frambier Valdez. You know, I would say our chances are slim to none. But now the chances for us to beat somebody that's not McCullers in Houston, and there's 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 a better possibility of us winning there now. Um, I like our chances getting to McCullers at home more than I do on the road. So, uh, yeah. there's benefits to both sides, obviously, with the rest and, like, the mentality for the Astros and obviously starting McCullers. But at the same time, it kind of hurts them a little bit, too, in the sense that, if McCullers comes out and he's not on his game and he gets rocked out early, he's out, man. That's your big weapon. 
you know, that's kind of your ace. That's your, you know, that's your, your knockout blow that it doesn't really count anymore. It's just, it's just, it, it's the advantage is just gone in that sense. So yeah. the, the, the reason I was thinking, and I think it benefits the Astros more, it's more because like, obviously they lost, they got their ass kicked at night, right? It was a late game. I think it finished around like midnight. Yeah. And then they were supposed to play the next day with, <laughs> I mean, the, all the momentum's on the White Sox side at two thirty the next day. Now they get a whole day off. The momentum's kind of washed now. You know, and now they're starting on a, on a clean slate, kind of up to one. So I see how it benefits the, the Astros. Like if I were a White Sox fan, I would have wanted them to play this game no matter what, like push it back, whatever you got to do. But I personally think that this this little d- delay kind of wipes out the momentum that the White Sox had, gives them rest and everything. So I see it. I see it benefiting the Astros. Um, if I was a White Sox fan, like, dude, I would have. Like you guys had all day. It was a two thirty p.m. game. I know there's other games on that they had to, you know, that that MLB wanted. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Uh, I mean, I, I get, I guess, I get what you're saying. Um, even so, I mean, like, if we're being honest, right? Like, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna be one of those guys that says, like, hey, you know, we're gonna lo- we were gonna lose some college in Game Five anyway in Houston. But like. We all kind of got that in the back of our minds, right? Like, we're gonna if we went to Houston for Game Five, if we beat Rakiti today, who is way easier to beat than Lance McCullers Jr. Obviously, um, it was like it's obviously like a daunting thing to think about, right? You're going to Houston, you're facing their best arm, one of the best in the game, and in a do or die situation. You know? I think that tomorrow is is kind of like is kind of like the it's obviously a do or die for the White Sox, but I think the Astros are gonna come out and say, hey, like this is our guy too. You know, this is like, this is our guy. Like we need to win this game probably just as much as you guys, because if we take him out, like the momentum kind of, you know, the momentum kind of, you know, builds back up onto the Sox again, even more so. Um, so that's why I think there's a little bit of advantage for the Sox as well. I mean, getting to their ACE on the road I'm at home as opposed to on the road. I think that's where it kind of evens, but I guess I get what you're saying as well, though. The momentum kind of washed out a little bit. We'll see what happens going into tomorrow. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, on Twitter or whatever, are a little upset that, you know, they had tickets for today and now they have to figure out what to do with their tickets, you know, for tomorrow. So, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that sucks because it's a, it's a 1 p.m. game. Yeah. yeah, we'll see, like, what the crowd is like. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say there's not going to be a decent one, but, I mean, it's Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock, right? Like, people have jobs, people have lives. You can't just – I mean, you can call off work, I suppose, but, right. you know, on a day off taken for a while, I mean – We'll see what the crowd looks like, man. I actually – I'm not as worried as I think a lot of people are about it, but we'll see, man. I mean, I, I, I certainly would, would, would like to go to a game if I see a ticket tonight that's pretty cheap. I might – on Stubb or something, I might, you know, scoop one up. But otherwise, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, that's another point too, dude. MLB's got to figure out a way to, like, avoid all playoff day games. Like, they got to figure something out with the scheduling where they're all primetime – games you know what i mean like it's really hard for people that work during the day and stuff to even to not, let alone go to a game even watch it you know oh, not, yeah <sighs> man it's just like i and like that's the thing too it's like i get it you want the ratings but come on man like people want to watch their team play you know you have multiple like networks you can put these games on if you have to you take a loss in ratings like it is what it is yeah. i mean for God's sakes, how many people can actually watch a, a game at one o'clock on a Tuesday anyway? You know, I mean, how many? What are you? What are you actually profiting from that anyway? 
So it's just it's just one of those things for me, man. Like I I totally agree with what you're saying there for sure. Yeah, even if they've got a even if one game starts at five and another game starts at seven and there's some layover and one game's not finished completely, like dude, people can switch back and forth. You know, they just need to make it. They need to figure it out somehow where these games are in prime time. They're not in the middle of the day where maybe half the audience can't even watch the game. You know. Yeah, man, I, that's the thing too. Like my dad, obviously, he can't watch the game and he's a little upset. But I mean, obviously, well, the, here's the thing too, right? It, with Wednesday night, they were supposed to have two games, right? They were supposed to have like two game fives or whatever slated. So now, obviously, Boston just won as we're recording this. The Red Sox just walked it off. So with that being said, right, the game would start at seven o'clock now. So that's good. If there is a game five, it will start at seven on Wednesday. So it'll be a lot easier for them to get an audience. So that's a plus, I suppose. But I mean, you're 100% right, man, with your original point. They got to figure something out. It's just not working out with this whole, you know, 12 p like 12 p.m. on a on a on a Monday for the Brewers. You know, like what the hell is that? Like who could even watch right. it? The, the Brace crowd was so. I'm not gonna say it was it wasn't packed because there was a lot of people there, but. I mean, you could see a few empty seats there, man. Like, it didn't feel like a playoff atmosphere for whatever reason. I don't know what it was with the Braves, but I felt like, you know, if, if it was on, like, a, like on a Monday night as opposed to a Monday at 12, things change, you know. So, I, that's just – I 100% agree with you, man. Yeah, I was able to watch that game because I had the day off today. And uh, same thing. When I was watching the game, I mean, it was kind of – it wasn't a very exciting game. It was like 3 nothing. It wasn't a whole lot of offense. But – like the crowd, it, it seemed like I was watching like a regular season game. I, like it did not have the postseason feel whatsoever. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you people? You guys are playing for like a pennant, you know, at the very least. I mean, I don't know if it's like the daunting feeling of playing the Giants or Dodgers in, in, in a game in a, in a CS, but like, dang, show some passion out there a little bit more. I, I, I don't know, man. I felt the same way, dude. So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was really bizarre watching that game. Like, it didn't even like keep my interest because, <laughs> like, the crowd is half of it. You know, when nobody's scoring any runs or anything, like, I get it. But I don't know. It just felt like a regular season game. It was. Yeah. It was weird. It's you know towels or anything. I I mean they did the chop. They did the chop a few times, which I I do enjoy that chant. I know a lot of people like are against it for multiple reasons, but like I think that kind of brings a lot of energy to the crowd, especially in Atlanta. Like when they're doing the chop, it's hard to compete in that. So. Yeah, um, that was a, that was a few moments where, you know, when Jock hit the home run, it was a bit you know crazy in there. But you're right, man. It was a pretty normal play. Like it was probably the most unexciting playoff game of the postseason so far, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, hey, and our predictions are coming kind of true with that with that series, man. There is no offense whatsoever in that not series. at all. And, dude, I mean, the Braves have a great lineup, though, too, man. It's just that this is like obviously going off the socks a little bit. Freddie Peralta being pulled in the fifth, man, wow. Like, that yeah. was a gutsy call, and it did not work out at all. The next the next inning, they hit the three-run shot, and that was pretty much it. But yeah, you can't, you can't win if you can't score. That's the, that's the name of the game. The Brewers are going cold at the wrong time. Um, and, you know, we could have both central teams out of the playoffs again like we did last year early on here. So that's yeah. not good. I mean, what a surprise me, like, like the, I mean, the Brewers, I talked about it when we did our predictions thing. Like, they can pitch for sure. They're not going to give a ton of runs. But like I said, dude, their offense, it's very it's very lackluster. It's not very good. And it seems like they're going cold, like you just said, the absolute wrong time. And, uh, I mean, I don't think a lot of people expect them to score a lot of runs. They obviously won all year because of their pitching. Yeah, yep. 
So, I mean, they're not scoring. It's not looking good for them. Yeah, I mean, they had guys like Adamas and a few other steps. But, I mean, otherwise, <clears throat> the Brewers could be looking at, an, at a, you know, a quick four-game exit. Um, I see the Giants and the, and the Dodgers are playing in L.A. tonight. The Dodgers win tonight, man. I mean, that that could spell the end for, for the Giants tomorrow. So, we'll see on that, man. That's that's a close one. And then, obviously, the Red Sox upset, big upset against Tampa. We all had a we all had you know Boston with an early exit here, but uh, they 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 came through, man. That offense is clicking for them. So, yeah. All right. So with that, obviously tomorrow McCullers are done. Hopefully the Sox can get to McCullers. That's their only hope. You got to get them out of the game. You got to you got to get to them. Um, what's your prediction tomorrow, Ryan? What do you got? You know what? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think Rodon's going to throw a great game. Like you said, isn't he undefeated against the Astros? That's the thing, man. Yeah, he's undefeated against the Astros this year. And you know what? He's a big adrenaline pitcher. Like, when he was – I was at the no-hitter game. I stayed right behind home play for him. Like, I decided to get some tickets to the game, whatever. I felt good about it, and it turned out to be great. In the ninth then he was hucking 97-98 because of the adrenaline. Like, that's not something he – obviously, earlier in the season, he was doing that, like, earlier in the games. But at – you know, at 100-something-odd pitches, he wasn't doing that. So, I mean, he's a big adrenaline pitcher. I really like this game for the Sox. Probably the betting favorites at minus about 120. Uh, the Astros are actually, like, plus 105 right now. So, um, that's in the draft sportsbook, if you're wondering. Um, so, I, I do like that. There's a, like I do like that there's confidence in Rodon and, and, and the Sox there. Um, but uh, – We'll see, man. I think I think McCullers, if they can get if the crowd can get into McCullers' head, I think we got a chance, man. I really do. Uh, he's a great pitcher, but you know anybody in a in a, in a hostile environment. So, yeah, I mean, my prediction. I, I really don't even know what to go with this one. It's kind of like just flip a coin. Um, I think McCullers is going to throw a great, great, great game, but I think Rodon will too, dude. I could see this final score, whatever, who, wh- whoever's on top. I could see it being like four to three. Four two something like that. Um, my gut is six telling me the Astros, dude. <laughs> my gut is because their offense is so good. What's your gut, what was your gut telling you yesterday? My gut was telling me Astros yesterday too, and it, it my gut was right. It was what was it five to one at one point, six to one, something like that. Uh, the Kyle Tucker home run. It was five to one, and that's when I kind of gave up a little bit. But you know, Grandal got a Grandal got a uh, strike called the ball, and then he had a home run. So. That yeah, he it. also uh, he also bend the rules, but <laughs> hey, man, well, save it for your beef, all right? Save it for the beef. Um, I think tomorrow, uh, I think Rodon and McCullers both go six innings. Um, I think McCullers gives up two runs. I'm just giving you a, a straight up. McCullers gives up two runs. He strikes out about five or six. He goes six innings. Rodon goes five or six. He gives up one run, and then I think the Sox get to the Astros bullpen, uh, and then blow it open. That's what I think is going to happen tomorrow. I think the final score is going to be something like seven to two or six to one. I think it's going to be a very low scoring game, kind of like game one in, in Houston, uh, but the other way around. So uh, it'll be kind of like you got you get your like two big innings. The Sox have like two big innings, and the Astros just get shut down uh, by the Sox pen again, like they did the other night. Um, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be final score. Let's call it. Let's say seven two White Sox final score. All right, I like it. You, you obviously put a lot of thought into that. That was very detailed. Yeah, there we go, man. I, you know what? Sometimes you got to be, you got to be precise with your, with your, uh, with your guests here, man. You know, so that's that's it. Uh, 
So obviously we were talking about it. We're we're gonna make this one a quick one. So we're gonna jump to our beefs and then call an episode. So Ryan, give us your beef. Man. What you got this week? All right, my beef for the week. I was gonna make it with Grandall, but thought about it. It's not with Grandall because I guess the rule is the rule. So my beef for the week is with the the rule, and I'm gonna explain it here in a second. I don't know the exact name of this rule, but there was a play where Grandall hit a hit hit a ground ball to the first baseman, and there was a play at the plate. So the guy threw home, and the ball hits Grandall. So obviously the catcher doesn't catch the ball. The guy's safe at home plate. Well, the replay showed that Grandall was about five feet into the grass of the infield. Now there's a line, right? There's the foul line, and then there's another white line. I don't know how wide it is, about two feet wide, where that is the runner's running lane. Grandall was about 10 feet away from that. <laughs> he was not 10 feet away from it. And the, so the, the ball hits him. 10 feet. All right, oh. eight feet. I don't know what it is. But he was the- right on the grass. I saw. I literally saw it right before this podcast just to verify because I knew you were going to say something about it. He was right on the grass. He was obviously off the line, but he was not like 10 feet off. Dude, he was in the grass. <clears throat> he was in the grass. But anyways, so the rule <laughs> the rule is that, and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the rule is like you, you have so many feet to establish a running lane or something along those lines. So when the ball hit Grandall, it was determined that he hadn't established his running lane or maybe that was the running lane that he established. So he had a right to that. And so when the ball hit him, it didn't like it didn't matter. It wasn't interference or anything like that. Is that the rule? All right. So there's two there's two ways you can you can say that in a in a sense technically. Um, and I think that this is where we're going to see a lot of rule changes this offseason just because of this play. So obviously, if he's running up the lane and say the catcher got a bunt, right? If the catcher throws it to first and Grandal's on that kind of lane, he's out because he's throwing to first. The rule technically states that if a ball is coming from up the line, like from the first baseman, and it hits the batter, because that ball is going to home, like because that ball is being thrown home, if it hits Grandal, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be called anything. It's kind of a weird rule. It's like specifically in there for whatever reason. I'm I'm assuming something's happened way back in the day, um, and I guarantee you that's going to be a change that they will look into because. Rondal was off the line a bit. He had his lane established, you could say, if, if that's something you want to argue too. That's what I was thinking originally. Um, after looking back at it, it was because the ball was fielded by a first baseman who was throwing home. And at that point, because the ball was being thrown home, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter that Grandal was there or not, or it's kinda it's kind of one of those weird kind of things. Um and Dude, because, to me that makes absolutely no sense. I know, and and you can say that too, and I think that we're gonna see a change on that. Um, and I think it's because of that play. We will see a change on that. So that kind of, that probably pisses you off a little more hearing that, but that's exactly why he was called safe. That makes absolutely no <laughs> sense. The difference between it happening on a bunt and the play being made at first and a versus the play being made at home plate or whatever it is. It makes no sense. They both include the runner and they both include what lane the runner has to be in. Yeah. And I was... so that, that verifies to me that there is a lane that the runner has to run in. You can't run in the grass. Well, that's that's the thing that I didn't get either about it. It's it was it's like if that ball's going to first base, right, and it hits him, then he's out. But if it's going home and it hits him, then he's not out. That's right, where I that dude that makes no because 
I, that's when you're I, making when you're making the play at home, that's where the that's where the guy has to throw the ball for it to reach home plate. I I I you know what I will say that I agree with you on that. If that's the ruling that they called and that's why he was safe, I think they need to change that because that was that was a that was a big point in the game. You know that was an out, that was a run, um, and and right. And I saw people saying well, like the first baseman has to make a throwing lane, dude. In a play like that, your your margin of error is very slim. Like you don't oh, yeah. have a bunch of time to take an additional step to your right create a throwing play lane and then throw the runner out at home. Well, like, no, that's going to be a bang, bang play. Yeah. Just you get, get out of the grass. Dude. Yeah. He was bolting out. Robert's fast, man. He was already, he was already there. Like he was there basically when, when the ball was supposed to be caught by Malnado, like it was going to be a bang, bang play regardless. He probably would have been out, but he's quick. So Guriel knows that in the back of his head and he's grabbing and throwing it. So um, you know what? the more I think about it, I'm changing my beef of the week from the rule back to Grandall. Because, <laughs> Because, dude, he's a left-handed batter. So when he dropped the bat, he's got just a clear lane to run down first base. It's not like a righty where you cut across and you, you start heading to first base. He's a lefty. The direct lane is that that specific two-foot lane that they have there. You go out he of- intentionally, yeah. <laughs> intentionally did this. 100%. It, it was pretty I- obvious in the replay. It almost seemed like he like stuck his left arm out a little bit for it to hit him. I think he I don't think he stuck his arm up, but I think that you're right onto something when he was he like he he knew what he was doing. He saw Guriel like setting up his shoulders to throw home and he's like, you know what? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get in this I'm gonna get in the way. Like and he did and it worked and the Sox got a run and they ended up winning the game. So um yeah, man, that was uh that's gonna that's a controversial one. I mean the Sox always have some controversy in their playoffs, man. I, I tell you. And that's definitely gonna be a rule change because of what you just described, the difference between it being a bunt and the throw being made to first and a throw being made to home plate. That just makes absolute zero sense and that and rule definitely needs to be changed. That's just like the thing that I came up with because I know for a fact if a runner is run is say like you put a bunt on, right? Like say like Ishiro back in the day put down a bunt. And he's running up the line, and the catcher got it, and he throws it, and it hits teacher on the back. Yeah, because he's at all time. He's out. You know, he's out yeah. because he's away. Now, if if it's coming from first to home, though, it's completely different. Like I don't get why it is. I I, I don't know why it is. I mean, I there's got to be. Like I said, there's probably something way back in the day that made that rule what it was, or maybe it was something they made back in the day, and like nobody ever like actually read the rule book, so nobody knew it was in there. So. Uh, we'll see, man. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but you're right. Probably, probably going to a rule change on that. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. That play really pissed me off though. And we were watching the game together and you can attest to that, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, what, what's your beef of the week? All right, man. So, uh, if you guys are familiar with, uh, Barstool sports and all that stuff, um, there was a big controversy yesterday before the game. Um, so just to like really quickly talk about this. The White Sox David Barstool Sports has a, you know, ban list, right, that he has. Um, and he's banned, like, guys who are, you know, bandwagoners or people who have, like, talked bad upon the White Sox or, you know, for whatever reasons. And he put John Cusack on that list because, like, John Cusack, he's a tough fan, man. He's, he's a tough fan, you know. He, he was rooting for the Cubs World Series, all that stuff. Um, it seemed like he was a legit Cuff fan. Now, he's under – White Sox Dave is under the impression as well that – you cannot root for both the Cubs and the Sox. Ryan, would you agree with that? Yes, I agree. And that's <laughs> before this, dude. I thought Cusack was just a Cubs fan because that's the only I place I've ever seen him prior. 
So, exactly, right? So, Cusack, if we're being fair and if he's being honest with everybody as well, like, he's, I like him. He's a good actor. You know, I'm not going to say, like, I'm not going to say he's, you know, a terrible person or whatever because I don't know anything about him. But we do know that he never goes to Sox games. He probably couldn't tell you who played first base in the 2017 season when we lost 100 games, right? Like, he's one of those guys. Uh, he's just showing around because, you know, maybe he does like the team, right? Whatever. Whatever the case is. And he's showing around because, you know, he's, he's an actor and he wants to go to a playoff game, whatever. Um, he, White Sox, they've confronted him and there were words, you know, you know, sent back and forth, and there was a whole thing, and there was controversy, and now people are like, oh, you can root for both teams in the city, and, and like, oh, don't let anybody tell you you can't. I'm not telling you you can't, but I'm telling you if you do, you are a fake fan. Like, that's just the way it is. You got to pick a side. You got to suffer with your team. You got to, you have to, like, prosper with your team. You can't just be like, one day I hate the Cubs and like the Sox or vice versa, right? It just, it can't be like that, man. It, it just can't. Like you're a fake fan if you do that. I'm sorry. Like it's just the way it is. You gotta, you can't just, you can't just jump off ship and then and then come back. You know, you, you gotta be with the team through the worst times and then you get a prosper in the best times. Cusack, I'm sorry, man. You're a fake fan. Um, and anybody else who does that, you're a fake fan. Too. So yeah, I I do agree. Like you can't like you can't be fans of both teams. But like, like the White Sox wouldn't were, were, were to win the World Series this year. Like, I wouldn't be mad about it. Like, I'm not going to actively root against them. Good. And, like, like, you know, like, I went to a Sox game with you earlier. Like, I'll still go to the games, and I still enjoy watching them and everything. But I'll never say that I'm a, I'm a true fan of both teams. Like, I'm 100% with you there. Yeah, it's like, I'm not going to go out and say, like, death to Cubs fans or something. You know, like, if the Cubs were to, you know, do well, like, cool. Like, I'm not going to say, like, I'm happy about it. But, like, good for you guys. You guys are great. Like, good for the city, I suppose, and all that. That's great, too. But am I going to say, like, hey, that was my team, and, like, I, I can't believe we did it, and this and then the third or whatever. Like, no, because that's just not how it is. I wasn't a part. I'm not – I went to a Wrigley Field game, sure. Like, I was there. It was great experience with me and you went. You know, I was it was cool, you know. Uh, but I'm not going to say I'm a Cub fan, you know. I mean – it's just you're you're a fake fan if you vote if you go for both teams like actively. I think that's just that's just my thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And this whole thing is great for Barstool, man. They're getting a lot. Oh, of dude, one hundred percent, man. They are prospering right now. Yes, especially White Sox Dave. This is good for him. Oh. <laughs> he's being raked through the coals, but he's also being supported by a bunch of people too. So yeah, it's just good content, and that's what they feed off of. Good content. Oh, 100 percent dude. Dave Pointy's already coming out with a sweater. It's it's great stuff, man. It's great stuff. Like, dude, we need we need you out in the streets getting in people's faces for the good of the 12 6 right. podcast. Do it for the 12 6. We'll have to uh start fighting people. So yeah. <clears throat> All right, man. With that being said, we're 35 minutes in. Do you got anything for our closing statements here? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a nice episode. As always, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Appreciate the support. Um yeah. keep listening. So, yeah, I mean, just just another thing. I know I said I was going to put out episodes. If the Sox get eliminated tomorrow, uh, I'll probably drop something by myself. Or if Ryan wants to jump on, he certainly can as well. Just to, like, recap the game and, like, my thoughts. And, like, like you know, some after-season, off-season stuff that I think could be, like, looked into. But otherwise, we're hoping for a win tomorrow. We're hoping for a win Wednesday. Go Sox, baby. Go Sox. Psych, but good episode. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We will see you next week on the 12, six podcast.